Amen. So if you would turn in your Bibles with me to Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to continue in our study of the book of Nehemiah. I don't know if we'll study the entire book, but we'll continue for a while. We're, on, uh, we're in chapter 2, verse 9. This is like our, I think, our fourth sermon on this. And what we have focused on is uh, the apostolic word or apostolic direction, small a, that the Lord gives us individually as we are bringing light and bringing hope to an area that is busted down. So I don't know if you, if you know, let me give you a little bit of backstory for, um, for those that haven't been with us. Uh, Nehemiah is away in the capital city. Uh, he gets a report 71 years after the, the, the remnant has returned. He gets the report that the walls are broken down. The city is in shame. Jerusalem, there's, the gates are burned. So they're lacking authority. There's opening for the enemy. And they're just living in a life of shame instead of the victory that Jesus has for them. So he, uh, the, the king sends him out to go and repair the wall and protect the city and build up the city. So this is him uh, hearing and seeing the vision, hearing the heart of God, responding to what God has seen. And we've applied this to our lives of areas that the Lord points out to us in our lives, in our communities, in our oikuses, in our spheres of influence that are broken down, where the walls are broken down, where he lays it upon our heart. We get that vision for where it needs to go. And we say, Lord, I'm willing to go if you want me to. And then the Lord at times touches our hearts to say, yes, you go and you take care of this. And we go out in the power of the strength uh, of the Lord to that area. So that's what we've covered the last three weeks. Let's begin in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 9. But first, we're going to pray. Whew. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, just your sweet Holy Spirit this morning. Wow, it was so good to experience your presence to have you speak to us, to have you encourage us, Lord, and to open our eyes to, uh, so that we're no longer focusing on our need and our issues, Lord, but we're focusing on you and your ability, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for giving us access to your throne room that we can come boldly, Lord, and receive mercy and grace, Father, in our time of need. Jesus, we look to you. So speak to us, Holy Spirit, this morning. We have ears to hear. We have hearts to receive from you. Speak to us from your word and reveal Jesus to us. Reveal wisdom to us so that we know how to, uh, to walk out what you would have us do, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it. Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. So Nehemiah has left with the provision of the king and with letters from the king. And it says here in verse 9, Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river. I'm assuming beyond the river is the uh, name of the province or what he called it, but it's beyond the reverence. And gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent... Uh, with me, officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat the Hor uh, Horonite and Tobiah the Amorite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So you see what's led up to this point is 
having the heart, seeing, seeing what's going on, having the heart, seeing the broken down walls, knowing that the Lord is moving upon you to be a part of the solution, plugging into the apostolic being sent to that issue and saying, receiving the resources from the Lord, receiving and knowing who you are in Christ and being sent out. So here Nehemiah then actually has stepped out and he comes to the governors of the province in the area where he is going and he gives them the letters. He comes to the governors and he gives them the letters. I want to remind you first and foremost as you are going out in anything you do for the Lord, whatever the Lord has laid on your heart to do, when you go out it is key to know your identity, to know who you are in Christ. And the Lord will invest in you time and effort to instill in you the understanding of who you are in him. The Lord desires you to be strong in Christ. To have your, your, uh, we, your knees strengthened, your arms strengthened by his power so that you can carry who he is into where you are. Knowing your identity. I wrote down this morning early... Uh, reminding us that we are ambassadors. Nehemiah was an ambassador. He was sent from the king as an ambassador with the will of the king to this area saying, hey, this is what the king wants to do. Here's his letters. Here's his letters. I'm an ambassador. Here's his letters. I'm presenting his letters to you so that you know why I'm here and how I am resourced. See, he knew who he was. He didn't come in and go, hi guys, I, you know, uh, do you have a moment? I'd like to share something with you. No, he came boldly in and he said, ambassador from the king, here's the letters. I wanted to give them to you so that you know why I'm here and why this entire army is with me. Don't be intimidated. This is why we're here. This is the reason. So coming in with the full authority of who you are. That's why he says in the book of Hebrews, come boldly into the throne of grace. Come boldly. Coming boldly comes from knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing who you are as his son, as his daughter, as his favored child. You come boldly. That doesn't come from your behavior. Your behavior is what you bring to the Lord. Your identity is who you are. Your behavior is what you do. Don't let what you do stop or change who you are. You're a son. You're a daughter of the king. If you aren't acting like it, then come to the Lord as the daughter of the king and say, Dad, I'm sorry I didn't act like your son or I didn't act like your daughter. Would you forgive me and help my doing align with who I am because of the blood of Jesus? People sometimes get distracted by, I've done this, Lord, therefore I can't come into your presence because of what I have done. No, we come into his presence because of who we are, not what we do. We come in and we bring what we do and we lay it before the Lord. That's why he says uh, in the book of 1 John, you know, come and repent. You know, if you, if you mess up, come and repent. Not avoid and wait for him to run you down. You come boldly and you say, man, God, I have messed up. I'm sorry. Whoop, here it is. 
I, I don't have anything to give you. I don't have a, a precious gift to give you but my junk, and I'm giving my junk to you because I know you can do something with it by covering it by the blood of Jesus. Boldly coming into the throne. Nehemiah comes boldly before them as an ambassador. He is sent. He is empowered. He is resourced. The longer you walk with Jesus, the more you understand that you are sent, that you are empowered, and that you are resourced. That doesn't mean you don't go at first. You start going, and the further you go throughout your life, the greater and the deeper you become in your understanding that you are sent. I don't go unless the Lord has sent me. What I say, I say because I've spent time with Jesus, and it comes out of my mouth. I am who I am because of my time with Jesus. This is what you get. as The longer you spend time with Jesus, you just go deeper in that. No matter what you do in your occupational world or where you are in your influence or or whatever, that's nothing. This, what's important is who I am in Jesus. And it affects all of this world. And as I spend more time with Jesus, I become sent deeper. I know who I am. I'm sent. I may be the best mail carrier, and I'm sent to be a mail carrier, and I carry that mail. And I shine the light of Jesus as I'm carrying that mail. I can remember when, uh, you know, because I, I really wanted to uh, go out into the world. I, I dreamed about the world as a kid. And by world, I mean physical, not uh, worldly sin. I meant physical world. I wanted to travel the world. And I grew up in a small town in Illinois called Fairbury. It's a fair place to be buried. It's a small town surrounded by corn and beans. You can see when the corn and the beans are gone, you just see for miles across black, black dirt. I mean, it's like black dirt. Great dirt for growing. But I grew up there, and I had a heart for international for the world. And I used to cry out to the Lord, you know, send me, Lord. Here I am, send me. I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. You know, I'm ready to go. I'm, send me out. You know, I'm a 15-year-old kid. I'm ready, Lord. And now's the time, Lord. And the Lord kept saying, hold on, son. Finish high school. You know, just wait. Uh, it's not ready. He kept saying those. And uh, finally, at the age of 21, I had, I had done a freshman year of college. And I absolutely hated college because I wanted to get into the world. Wanted to get out international. My heart was burning for the Soviet Union and uh, for Russia. I, I had to get there. And so I asked my dad if I could quit college and come back home. And he said yes. And I went into this terrible funk of about um, six or seven months of uh, just being home and not being anything. You know, I kind of completely lost my identity, which was good, and had to refine my identity in Jesus during that time period. But it was during that time period that the Lord would have conversations with me. And he would say things like, hey, if I wanted you to live in Fairbury and be a gas station attendant, would you be willing to do it? And I was like, absolutely not. What are you, crazy? There's no excitement here. You know, I want to go there. I want to go there, not Fairbury. Dear God, there's enough people in Fairbury, you know. And this is the kind of 15-year-old, 16, 17, 18. I was 21 at the, uh, this time. I'm like, come on, God. And I remember coming to the point where I finally said, okay, Lord, here I am. If this is where you want to send me, then send me here. And I will be the best 
gas station attendant, because that was the lowest job at that time that I could think in my head that I wanted to do, of just being around. It'd be a great job, actually. It'd be like a UPS driver, just seeing a bunch of people and loving on them constantly. I think I would really enjoy that, you know? I'll do it, Lord. I can remember the breaking time where I just surrendered that to the Lord. It was like right after that, they called me and said, hey, we're going to Russia. We're planning a church. Do you want to come with us? That door did not open until I surrendered and said, okay, God, not my will, but your will be done. Your timing, Lord. If you're sending me, then I'm going to go in your authority that you sent me there. Nehemiah comes here and he presents the letters. I have been sent by the king. I know I am sent by the king. I have the authority that the king sent me. And it empowers you then to stand against anything that comes against you, that tries to dissuade you that you are not who you say you are. That Jesus is not who he says he is. When you know you're sent, you go back and you say, you know what, I'm taking this to Jesus because I am who I say I am. So you get something coming against you and saying, you know, you're not a good mom. You go back and you say, you know what, I am the best mom that God created me to be because I align my heart with Jesus and he gives me his mothering heart and I walk that out. You've got to hit the enemy in the head when he comes against who you are, what you've been sent to do. If you don't know what you've been sent to do right now for this season, I'm not talking down the road. I'm talking right now in the season you're in right now. Get with Jesus and hear him solidify because he's talking to you about right now. He may be talking about down the road, but he's also talking about right now. And get in there. Come on, Lord. You are empowered. You are resourced. So Nehemiah comes and he brings his letters to the governors. Do you think that intimidated him at all? Man, I'm just a, a, a butler. I'm a guy who carries wine. My job, uh, uh, my job description consists of bring wine and don't show emotion. And here I am coming before leaders of entire regions and bringing them letters to tell them that they need to do what I want them to do. Do you think he was intimidated by that? I think he might have been a little bit, but at the same time, coming into, no, I have been sent. I have been empowered. I do have a letter from the king. Coming into the understanding and being able to walk that out. Because the enemy will hit you with what other people think about you. To dissuade you from bringing Jesus where you are called to bring him, the enemy will hit you with, are you anybody who could be bringing Jesus you know, do you see the way that person looked at you? What if they're not going to receive you? What if they look down on you? What if they don't agree with you? Yeah, so you're sent. So what? These are all the things of other people's opinions. And as long as you allow other people's opinions to dictate what Jesus has said to you, then you'll shake. You'll shake, rattle, and roll instead of standing strong. Maturity in Christ is standing strong no matter what other people think about it. 
carrying the light. You don't like the light? It's okay. I'm still going to shine it. I'm not sticking my lamp under a bushel basket. I'm not hiding it because you don't like it or you're dissuaded by it or makes you uncomfortable. I'm putting the light out here. That is what we grow into and mature. Nehemiah came here, laid it down, presented the king's letters. There's a reason why the walls were not built. It wasn't just that the Jews were lazy. Do you realize that? There's a reason why all the walls of Jerusalem were not built. They didn't have the vision, or they were beaten down, or they were scared of the power of authority, or every time they tried, they got their feet taken out from underneath them. And Nehemiah is called to go to these people and make it happen. I think another, another thing, you know, we have the value of others that, that hinders us from walking in who we are. I think another thing that hinders us is unforgiveness. As a believer, it'll take away our identity because unforgiveness is us holding on to the past. And when I'm holding on to something that happened in the past, I tend to very difficultly look and see where Jesus wants me to go. I'm too much focused generally on what I'm holding. But, I do that, but, what about, you know, this situation? I can't move forward because I've got this. When there's unforgiveness in your heart, when you're holding on to things, whether it's unforgiveness toward others or unforgiveness toward yourself, you can't grow. It hinders growth in yourself and it hinders growth in others around you. So it requires to hearing the Lord, what's the vision? Okay, Lord, and being willing to come into your full identity, which means to release whoever that is or release yourself from the sin and let Jesus cover it and move on. Again, it, this isn't always easy to do, okay? But this is possible in Christ. And you are favored children of the Most High King who says, I will strengthen you and enable you to, to do it. I'll allow you the strength to let go, to forgive this person or to forgive yourself for your failings and to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Guys, I can't carry the forgiveness to others if I am unwilling to receive the forgiveness for myself or to dish it to a certain person. Oh, Jesus loves you, but he don't love this one. Jesus forgives you, but not her. Uh, it don't work. So when we choose to move forward as sent apostles, as sent ones, small a apostles, we're like, okay, Lord, I choose to let go. I choose to forgive. I choose to release. That person doesn't owe me anything. I release them from what they owe me. And if it helps to literally do that, put a, an empty chair in front of you and say, Lord, uh, I forgive so-and-so for X, Y, and Z and what it did to me and what I felt from it. And Lord, I release them, I forgive them, and I say, you don't owe me anything anymore. To help you visualize it if you need to. 
but just letting it go and moving on and being able to receive God's goodness. I have had leaders that have deeply wounded me that I have forgiven and let go. And I have had deep uh, leaders who have deeply wounded me that I have gone back and uh, uh, repented to for my part in the offense. Because I don't want anything from the past hindering me from moving forward. Because even when you get hurt by someone, there's a good chance that you are involved at least 1%. Maybe even more. And so repenting and saying everything that I did, everything that my part that has hindered you, I apologize to you. And I, I ask you to forgive me for that part. It's amazing. It might open the door for them to ask the same for you, and it might not. Your point isn't to get them to repent. Your point is to move on and give it to Jesus. When you know your identity, it comes from your ability to be able to face the unknown to face discouragement, to face conflict. Those are all things that rattle your identity or rattle your, what you were sent to do. When you don't know, well, how's this going to happen, Lord? How's this going to work? Or, Lord, I'm completely discouraged because nothing is happening. Or, Lord, I've walked right into a hornet's nest. Well, are you going to give up on what the Lord's told you to do? Because Nehemiah walks into all of this stuff. He doesn't know what the problem is. He faces discouragement during the time period, and he faces also straight-up conflict where they try to resist him. But knowing who you are allows you to say, you know what, Lord, I don't know how to get through this, but I look to you because I have your letter that tells me that you sent me, that you're with me, that you love me, that you have resources for me. I look to you, Jesus. Give me the wisdom to walk through this situation and be the best light I can. Help me today, Lord. So you'll notice here, Nehemiah comes in and he, and he goes to the kings and he gives them the king's letters. So basically, he stands on the word. This is what the king said. I'm doing it. Hi, my name's Nehemiah. This is what I'm doing. Standing on the word. He doesn't fight them with... Sway, do you see my army? Hey, look at this cool robe the king gave me. You know, not anything like that. It was just, here is what the king says, and I'm standing on it. Do you guys like that little added? Does that help? I know I do that a lot, but hopefully that just like sinks down deep because of that. He presented the letters to the authority. He's backed up by the Lord's army. You know, a lot of times in prayer, that's what we do. Because our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against principalities and powers, anything that stands against the Lord's will. And it's against arguments in our head. And you fight it with the word. When Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, he didn't fight with his thoughts or whatever. He fought with the word. He said, the Lord has said. And that's what you do. When those things come in, you say, you say what the Lord says. You look for those verses that empower you in that moment. 
So I can remember when, uh, when I first, when I realized that I had this uh, spirit of rejection that had uh, attached itself to me as a kid, and I had agreed with and fostered and just loved on, and this thing was my best friend, and it stuck with me all the time, and it told me everything about everybody and, and about myself, and I agreed with it, you know. And when it clicked that, man, this thing is a demonic spirit, and this is not what Jesus has for me, then I got a... Uh, um, a verse from the Lord that I will never leave you nor forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. A promise from Jesus. I'm never going to leave you. And I realized if Jesus never leaves me, then I can't actually ever be rejected. I can have other people, not likely, but my identity doesn't change because Jesus never rejects me. It was like this boom revelation hit. And it freed me up. So every time I would come into a situation and that spirit would try to speak to me, you know, they really don't like you. You know, things like that. You'll never fit in here. Whatever that voice was, I would say, you shut up in the name of Jesus because Jesus says, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. So it doesn't make a difference. And I would make the argument with the word to that spirit. And I tell you that first year after I realized it, it was about a year, it was like constant fighting. I mean, it was like in a bar brawl, not that I've ever been in one, but like in a bar brawl where everybody's swinging and throwing chairs constantly all year long. And then the, the devil realized I had understood the word and I was, had invited Jesus into that area of my heart and there was no room for him. And he eventually gave up every now and then, like yesterday, actually it jumped on me and it was like, Hey, you want to get a drink together? You know, you want to have some fun together? And I was like, huh, no, get away from me in Jesus' name. I don't want you. Get out of my house. Get out of my thoughts. You're not going to dictate who I am in any of my relationships. You know, it's all, they always come back to see whether or not you've emptied Jesus out of a room and you've got it nice and prepared for them to step right back in into. Presented letters of authority, you stand on the word, you declare what Jesus says. Knowing that the army of the Lord is behind you, Jesus sent you as his king with his army. Man, I love that. You're an ambassador. You got the full authority of the kingdom of God coming behind you. So when you present your letters, when you understand who you are, when you walk in the confidence of the Holy Spirit and you're being a light into areas that don't like the light, understand you're going to face resistance. Don't be surprised by it and don't be freaked out by it when people get upset. When you start to carry Jesus into places that has not had Jesus in 70 years, they're not going to be uh, all the time just, yeah, great, love you, come on in. There's going to be people who stand against you. And you're going to face things People resist change. People resist prosperity. Have you realized that, that people resist breakthrough? Because breakthrough requires you to admit that where you are now is not. And pride hinders people at times from admitting, yeah, my life sucks right now. And to admit that, then, okay, I can come into healing. It's better, I, I like my identity as I am right now. 
you will uh, run into outside forces that don't want you to bring prosperity to the area. And they'll fight it. You'll run into, and those outside forces like you see here, there are political outside forces. There is uh, racism as an outside force. And there is class struggle as outside forces. When you try to bring breakthrough to people's lives, you're going to face some of these things. But you can't let those things determine who you are or what Jesus has said to you. I think you guys are getting hot. You can't let those things determine what Jesus has said to you. Now, I don't know if all of you have faced those things. Being a missionary cross-culturally, I faced a lot of them at different times. I didn't live my entire life facing uh, something like racism. I did a little bit because they didn't like the fact that I was an American. And if just knowing I was an American, they hated me because I was an American. I mean, it's a small taste of what it is like. But there's some of our family that face racism on a regular basis. Simply because of what they look like, they are judged and treated differently. Even if they're trying to bring Jesus, there's going to be people who resist them simply because of the way they look. And that's wrong. Bringing the change, again, uh, is the understanding that our battle is not against flesh and blood. We may have flesh and blood that attacks us, but the battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against principalities and powers. Because Jesus loves the person who's bringing the battle to. Remember that, Ephesians six eighteen, To stand, to use the name of Jesus... To come against. To come in the authority of who you are in Christ. And not be dissuaded because someone gets upset that you're bringing light or beginning to repair a wall. I just got two more quickies. Number three. Take time to pray and hear the Lord. You see when he, when he arrives here. He goes out and he spends a, a lot of time in the rest of this chapter. He goes out by night and he just walks around and looks at the, of the circumstances of where the wall is and what's going on. He investigates. There was a lot of time for prayer and thought that went into, not just a gung-ho, I'm here as your Savior, you need to listen to me. Going, taking the time to prayerfully and wait for the good timing of the Lord and the strategy of the Lord, of how to carry the light into the area. Every place is different. Your uh, sphere of influence is going to be different than my sphere of influence, which is different than your sphere of influence. And so get the Lord's strategy of how to carry Jesus into that sphere of influence. The last thing that he did here that I want to make note of this morning is that he told very few people. It says in verse uh, 12, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for the Jerusalem. He told no one. Be careful how quickly you share. Not everyone is able to hear 
and receive the burden that's been placed on your heart. It's okay to keep it on your heart and talk to Jesus about it. Okay? It's not something you want to blast on social media. You're inviting uh, resistance. You're inviting problems early when you probably haven't built up the muscles to stand. Spend some time just praying about it and talking to the Lord about it and be very selective at the beginning on who you share with. Because the Lord has caused you to, or called you to be lights in darkness and carry that light. The Lord, uh, guys, I want to encourage you. The Lord loves you so much. Man, he's not upset with you, not, not discouraged by you, not frustrated with you. Uh, he loves you so much, and that's why he just constantly uh, takes care of you and speaks to your heart and encourages you. I got this. Just keep your eyes on me, and you can carry this light. You're carrying the light of Jesus. You're carrying the love of Jesus. You're carrying the vision of Jesus for your spheres of influence. And don't be discouraged by what's going on. Just get your eyes on Jesus. Uh, you know, he was never discouraged. And uh, he preached for three and a half years, Jesus Christ did. And when he left, there were 120 followers. Church of 40,000? Nope. Church of 120. After three and a half years of Jesus, not me, Jesus, in all of his glory and power, had a church of 120. So don't be discouraged. Jesus knew I am sowing a seed and that seed will multiply over time and will grow into the beautiful body of Christ. And that's what I'm willing to lay down my life for. In the same way, let's, let's have the Lord's numbers in our eyes, not our numbers. Let's have the Lord's level of success in our eyes, not our level of success. Sometimes it is just in your, the building the wall is just you again taking that stand and not moving from the spot. Others, it will be pushing forward. Others, it will be building walls. I don't know what the Lord has for you in your family. It may just be, no, I am staying here. I'm going to believe the Lord no matter what I see. And you'll be that example that everybody will point to and go, don't you remember Auntie? She was willing to pray. Or, you know, you've heard the stories of, yeah, it was my grandma's prayers. It was my grandma's prayers. Grandma's long gone, and you're in your 80s talking about grandma's prayers. Grandma don't know that you actually heard the prayers and submitted your life to Jesus. But she was still willing to stand and pray. And sometimes that's what we need, guys, as you are sent to do that, whatever it is. You might be the one that everybody knows, and you get the glory of, I don't know, reaping tens of thousands. Or you might be the one that baptizes the one believer that changes the nation later on. Whatever it is, know who you are, stand on the word, and move forward. Father, I just pray over this beautiful church. I know I'm going to take the offering up in just a second. I pray over this beautiful church, Lord Jesus, and I thank you, Father, for each and every one of them where you have placed them, Father, to be Nehemiah's uh, small a apostles sent by you into their areas, Lord, to bring you Jesus. 
What a joy and a privilege it is to carry you, Jesus, wherever we go. Thank you, Jesus, like Natalia said earlier, that we are your tabernacle. Holy Spirit, you live in us. We're the tabernacle right now. I thank you, Father, for that. Lord, give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, in our weakness. Help us in our unbelief. Help us in our struggle, Lord, just to see you and to focus on you and to walk it out, Lord, even if it's with fear and trembling. I thank you, Father, for it, and I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.